Welcome to the weekly podcast of the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro. VOH Radio brings an in-depth understanding of the scriptures prophetically, rich revelation of the early church apostolic fathers, and biblical interpretation of the biggest news and political stories of our day. Take VOH Radio with you on the go. Listen on demand weekly. New programs released every Monday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, TuneIn, and more. To partner with us, please go to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Or email us at radio at voh.church. You know, when I think about the growing impact of the Voice of Healing Radio, I think about all those throughout the world who have reached out to us to tell us about the radical changes in their lives and a desire to go deeper in the Word of God. There's a passion to see Jesus more than ever before. And we want to invite you to partner with us to continue sending this gospel that's transforming lives and so many people to the nations. For the gift of $50 or more, we would like to send you the VOH Radio hat And for your gift of $100 or more, we want to send you the VOH hat and hoodie featuring a quote from one of the favorite early church fathers, Origin. This is our gift to you for partnering with us to take VOH Radio to the world. Visit voh.church slash radio to donate now. You're listening to The Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro. Blessings, this is Mike Petro with the Voice of Healing Radio. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a, lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of things happening as we look into uh, the times and the seasons and uh, so many pastors and prophetic voices talking about, you know, the time and the season that we're in. It's an incredible time of wisdom that's being released uh, to the church uh, an awakening. I've heard uh, many talk about how it is a time of an awakening. And uh, if we go to the scripture, I mean, there's a story, there's a parable that Jesus teaches about that awakening. It's the virgins. The Bible says they're all asleep. Years ago, the Lord was speaking to me that he said, you don't want to be, uh, we know there was five wise and five foolish virgins. The Lord told me I didn't want to be one of the wise virgins. I really didn't understand that. I was praying into it, and sometime later, maybe a few weeks, I began to realize there was a voice. There's, and the, when you read that scripture, it says that a voice cried out, wake up, the bridegroom is coming. So while the wise and the foolish were asleep, there was another company of people that it was their job to wake up the church. And uh, the Lord spoke to me later on about that. He said, you want to be one of the ones that's waking up everybody else. And I I remember um, just really being excited about understanding that when the Lord is talking about the church being asleep, he's also telling us that there would be people that would be awake, that would be their job to wake up the rest of the church. And... uh, Years later, I was studying the Hebrew, and um, in the Hebrew understanding, there's a there's a uh, uh, there's the feast of trumpets, and uh, one of the roots to the word for trumpet in Hebrew is Torah, and it it 
Torah is also used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, in the beginning. The word uh, beginning, the root of that word in Hebrew is also the word Torah. And that word literally means the awakening blast of the trumpet. So Genesis chapter 1, where it's talking about the beginning, it's literally telling us that when God created the world, he, he created it through the trumpet. So we got to ask ourselves, what is that trumpet? Well, the Lord tell, tells Isaiah, he says, uh, lift up your voice like a trumpet, meaning uh, God's trumpet is his prophets speaking to his people. Amen. So the trumpets uh, are those that are receiving understanding, prophetic understanding, and, and trumpeting it out. Lord uh, said to I, uh, Jeremiah, he said, I made you a prophet and a trumpet. Hallelujah to my people. So Jeremiah was God's trumpet. Go to the book of Revelations. Uh, John hears a voice as a trumpet speaking. That's when Jesus is speaking to him. So I began to realize that these trumpets that the Bible is talking about is literally the prophet speaking to the church. So when we hear Paul talking about it, the last trump, the dead in Christ will rise. Well, he's talking about the trumpets or the prophetic voices uh, that are speaking to awaken us, uh, to fulfill God's plan, to, to warn us, to tell us the things that are coming. And so over and over we see this term. Uh, if there's a last trumpet, there has to be a first trumpet, right? So, you know, when you say, when you hear the word last trump, it, it doesn't mean that Oh, it's the it's the only one. It means there has to be trumpets before it. So when you look at the book of Revelation, there are seven trumpets. Hallelujah. All the way up to the last trumpet, which Revelation 10, 7 says that as the seventh angel is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as declared by his servants, the prophets. So his prophets are the trumpets declaring the, and fulfilling the promises of God, warning his people, preparing his people, getting his people ready. So it's not some audible trumpet in the outer space that is going to be blown and all of a sudden, you know, we're going to fly away or do this or do that. The trumpets are already sounding. The trumpets are already being released. We just un need to understand the language of the early church, which is a prophetic language, symbolic. Uh, the New Testament, Paul calls it the mystery of Christ. Um we see over and over this word mystery or secret being used. Mysterion, it means the secret way in which God governs the righteous, which is hidden from carnal, wicked, ungodly people, but plain to the godly. So the godly understand these mysteries, these secrets, or these symbolisms. And another word for symbolism is where the word parable in the New Testament. Parabolic or parallel teaching, the seed. You know, it's a parallel way of talk. The seed is the word. The trumpet is the prophet speaking. Uh, the bread is the word. The sword is the word. That's a parallel. And so when we understand that, we can understand that when Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about that the Holy Spirit teaches in parallelisms. So uh, what does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher and the counselor, teaches in parables or symbolisms. And when we begin to understand those things, we begin to understand what the Lord is getting ready to do. So uh, parable of the seed and the sower. Jesus is 
by the way, always talking in symbolisms in the New Testament. Matter of fact, he talked in symbolism so much that the Pharisees said he was crazy. His mother said he was deranged, lost his mind. All these people were attacking him. And then, then you get over into John 6. Um, when Jesus is crossing uh, the Kidron Valley, going into the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the Bible says something very interesting. Because I asked the Lord, I was praying about this. I said, well, Lord, if, if Jesus was teaching in parables or symbolisms, like how long was he doing it? And the Lord took me over to the night that Jesus was taken. And it says that Jesus was uh, walking through the Kidron Valley and he was going up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And by the way, if you ever get to Israel and uh, you get a chance to go to Jerusalem, make sure you go there. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. I was in the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, literally when you walk through it and you look across from it, the temple is, oh, I don't know, maybe um, it, it, you're, you're sitting on a hill or standing on a hill and you look across the valley onto another hill and there's the temple. And the temple just dwarfs everything, you know, in Jerusalem. But when you look over at it and you think, I'm, I'm standing in the place where Jesus, you know, uh, bled, a, a sweated blood, um, and you realize that that, was the night of his temptation. That was the place he was taken to be crucified. It's a very surreal feeling. But you, when you're standing there and you look over at that temple and the walls of that temple, how huge those walls are, you really see the battle that Jesus had to go through. One man fighting this whole religious system, this humongous, huge religious system and you think to yourself it was like it was Jesus against the world and you realize that you know what he overcame and and what he done for us uh the night that he gave us his life for us you realize it was such a huge pressure that he must have felt and uh and and submitted himself to in order to fulfill God's plan in the earth. And, and I thank God for that um, sacrifice that was sent for me and sent for you. If you ever get the chance to make that trip, uh, make that you know something you want to put into your uh, bucket list because really it is something that each and every one of us as born-again believers uh, should really uh, walk out. But as I was sitting there, I was really thinking about the end of the age and um, just thinking about what the Lord really was was doing. You know, when Jesus was there in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's where uh, many rabbis say that they created the uh, uh, olives to create the uh, anointing oil. So literally one of the last things and the last pressures that Jesus went through um, was, you know, in the, the place that literally the refining of the olive oil was at, meaning his final anointing was death and, and to submit himself to that death. And, and when you understand that, when you actually look at the word for anointing and you look at the word oil, it literally means to press in the oil. It's the place of pressure. 
And we read how Jesus felt that pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane. Anyway, when Jesus was crossing over to get there through that Kidron Valley, and he was walking up to the garden, the Bible says he began to speak plainly. And I realized at that point, this was after three and a half years of teaching the disciples, Jesus quit speaking in parables. So you have to ask yourself a very simple question. Why was it so important for Jesus to speak in symbolisms, in riddles? Another word for parable is the word for riddle. For three and a half years that his disciples, the men closest to him, really did not understand what he was saying, yet we read it in the New Testament, and we think that Jesus is just talking in this metaphoric language and really never consider what he's really saying. He's giving us blueprints. He's giving us deeper understandings, and he's looking for people that are anointed enough to understand what he's saying. The Bible says in the book of Acts that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the anointing, and the Holy Spirit is the teacher and the counselor. And in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of Christ. That word for deep depth is the word bathos in the Greek, and it really means the secrets of the kingdom. So the Holy Spirit is the one that is searching out the secrets of God, He's anointed us to search out those mysteries or secrets or those parabolic understandings. Matthew 13, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, why are you teaching the people in parables? They could not understand that the reason that Jesus was always speaking in this parabolic, parallel teaching. And Jesus said something very interesting. He said, because the mysteries of the kingdom the secrets of the kingdom, the secret way in which God governs the righteous is in the parables. And so you have to be anointed to understand what I'm saying. So three and a half years, Jesus was teaching in parables and symbolisms. As a matter of fact, Jesus warned them. He said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand the rest? Yet today, in our churches, when we read the New Testament, we think that Jesus is just talking like, like Americans or, or whatever uh, language we're from, and we're not understanding that Jesus is speaking in a different language, a language of symbolism. He's trying to teach us a different way of thought. How do I know that? Because even the disciples do it. Paul says, don't you know you are the temple? You're not a human being, you're a temple. You're a temple for the habitation of God. So why would he call you a temple? Is it because you're supposed to be a place of sacrifice? That's a parallel or parabolic teaching. Paul says that, that you're a sheep. The Lord says, my sheep hear my voice. Well, why does the Lord call us sheep? Because he's saying that you were created to be sacrificed. And sure enough, when you go back to the early church, they all sacrificed everything, even their lives, their children's lives, their husbands, their wives' lives. The martyrdom in the early church was so so immense that literally they knew to be a Christian could cost you your life. 
And there was no holding back. There was no going to bars on Friday nights and Saturday nights before church. There was no living a worldly Christian life and thinking that I was going to get in. This might offend you, but it should offend you. It should. You should be offended at the way you're living if your life isn't surrendered to Christ. Because that's why the Lord calls it the great falling away. That's why the Lord says not many shall, are gonna make it in that day. Many shall come and say, Lord, Lord. They'll say, depart from me, I don't know you. You're not part of my kingdom. Because we have mixed the world into to being Christian. Our, 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 our television Christian programs are all about how God wants to bless you and God wants to do this. Where's the teachings that the, the apostles taught about dying to self? Where are the teachings that it's about giving your life and giving everything? Where are those teachings? Because I know there's some of you out there that are asking the same question. I know there's some of you that are saying, hey, I'm sick and tired of living a defeated Christian life. And I know something's up. I know something's getting ready to happen. I wanna be ready for what the Lord is getting ready to do. I don't wanna be uh, 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 one that falls away. I don't wanna be one where the Lord says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. But yet, when we go to church, they make it sound like everybody's getting in. They make it sound like everybody's gonna make it in reality. Jesus or his disciples or their spiritual sons never preach like that. And that's why, you know, it, it amazed me. We, we at uh, the Voice of Healing, we created a whole uh, early church fathers, uh, an ECF page where we put out the teachings of the early church. But what shocked me is when we went and started researching the early church fathers and bringing their documents on, and then we, we, we opened up our web pages and began to look for uh, 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 names, uh, uh, URL names for those pages that the early church fathers were the least looked at Christian media on, on the internet. Meaning Christians are looking at everything else but the founding fathers, the ones that started. I mean, I was so shocked that literally when we put up our ECF page, the early church fathers, we, we are on the top of the search list because most Christians don't even know what it is. They don't know what that first 100, 200 years of the church was teaching. They think the early church fathers are people in the 1300s and 1400s. No, these are the people that founded the church. These are the men that were taught by the apostles. These are where our doctrines came from. As a matter of fact, these are the men that said, if your doctrine isn't our doctrine, you are listening to a doctrine of a demon. Isn't that amazing? The demons would come into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and change the teachings, change the doctrines. Why do you think that demons would want to change our doctrine? Why wouldn't they want to change our worship? Why wouldn't they want to change our, our sinner's prayer? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't they want to attack these things that are supposed to be leading us to Christ? Why would their warfare, why would the warfare of demons be against the doctrines of the early church? 
because they know where the power's at. They know that our doctrine will either lead us to heaven or hell. They know that our doctrine is the very thing that they come to deceive. They, they know that when Paul says, if anybody preaches to you another doctrine of Christ, then what I preach, let him be cursed and damned to hell. They know they can get Christians sent to hell by the pastors and what they're teaching. And how is it that the Apostle Paul preached to the wee hours of the morning, 3, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., continually was teaching seven, eight, nine hours. And we go to churches that preach 45 minutes, one-hour services. Wow. 15 minutes of worship, 15 minutes of a offering, 20 minutes of the word, 10 minutes of an altar call. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, get out. Yeah, that really sounds like the early church. That really sounds like the new converts that were taught for five hours on a daily basis that the church came into the wee hours of the morning. See, we're not Christians today. When Jesus talks about the great falling away, the, the word great means the masses, the vast majority, he said, will be, the word falling away means divorced. The falling away isn't the world. The world, can't, the world was never married to Jesus. How can it be divorced from Jesus? It's the church that's divorced. Maybe this stings a little what you're hearing. I'm just giving you the truth. See, because I got sick and tired of knowing that something was wrong. Even as a little kid, I was saying something's wrong. Why don't we see what the early church sees? Why don't we see miracles like the early church? See, you know, you get to hear me, you know, for half an hour on a Saturday, but that's not the church I preach at. That's not my body and the Lord, the, the ones the Lord's given me. My services will last anywhere from three hours to seven hours on a Sunday. And when the church is in full gear, that'll be three, four, five days a week. I'll be doing the same thing. Why? Because there is so much to say about Jesus. I don't know. I would be, I would feel ashamed as a minister to preach about my Savior for a half an hour. When he he didn't, Jesus didn't tell us to come and get converts. You don't want converts. Jesus said, go and make disciples of them, meaning go and teach them. How can the word be engrafted into us like Paul talks about? How can Jesus, the word, be engrafted into us in 20 minutes, one day a week? Uh, I don't read about that in the New Testament church. Nowhere in the New Testament church should they talk about that. No, 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 no. They're... They're to the wee hours of the morning. They didn't care if they had work. They didn't had. They didn't care if they had to do uh, this or do that. They knew that their relation with with Jesus was eternal, and that they needed to be imparted with that revelation. That's why in the parable of the wedding at the end of the age, 
It says all those that were invited did not come. Look at the word invite. It's the word for the ecclesia. It's the word for the church. All those that were of the church did not come, meaning the people in the church did not come to the marriage supper of the lamb at the end of the age. And the Lord, Jesus tells us why they didn't come, why the church at the end of the age didn't come to the wedding. He said because they were more worried about the cares of this life the houses. They said, we got to go buy houses and lands. We got to go do commerce. We got, we're more worried about our job than our eternity. All we need is a half an hour, Jesus, and we're good to go. One day a week. No wonder we have issues in the church. No wonder our kids are, 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 are falling away. No wonder Christianity is dying in our country. No wonder President Obama could stand up and say we're not a Christian nation anymore. Why? It's not the, it's not the Christians that have failed. It's the church that has failed us. It's the pastors. It's like I said the last program. Pastors are crying out, we need teaching. We need to change. I'm talking about major pastors. Colossians chapter 2, Paul says, Beware, let least anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty words of deceit. According to the traditions of men and according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and powers. You know, when I really started searching after Jesus, started reading about the revivals that would last for five, six, seven hours, the people were hungry for Jesus. It wasn't about going to church. It was about falling in love with Christ. And that's the question you got to ask yourself. Would you want to be in a marriage where your partner only want you only wanted to see you for 20 minutes on a Sunday? Would your partner want to be in a relationship where the only day that you got to see him or her was on a Sunday for an hour? Because that's the wake-up call. Wake up, the bridegroom is coming. He's not coming back for a bride that doesn't want to see him. He's not coming back for a people that are bored with him. He's coming back for a church that's on fire. He's not coming back for hot or cold. The Lord said, I'd rather have you cold or hot or I'll spew you out of my mouth. This is Mike Petro, VOH Radio. If you enjoyed today's podcast, partner with us by heading to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Your financial gift helps the Voice of Healing Radio bring revelation to God's kingdom and to the nations. Have a testimony or prayer request? Call us at 1-877-440-3737. That's 1-877-440-3737. Or send us an email at radio at voh.church. And don't forget to add VOH Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter 
for your current updates. This is the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petrone.